Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more by visiting the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. We've got terrific guests for today's show, including William Yateman. He's a research fellow with the Cato Institute. We'll visit also with Senator Rick Scott, our former governor and now U.S. Uh, United States Senator. We're talking about some of the things that are going on right now uh, in terms of uh, Capitol Hill, uh, this defund me movement, uh, the uh, defund the uh, police movement, uh, holding China accountable. And also I'd like to inquire about the federal deficit, uh, the plans that the president and Congress are now putting together for another $1.5 trillion tranche to support the economy. We'll d- a visit with uh, Dr. Sean McAlmond, who's the president, president of Career Learning Solutions. We're talking about some wonderful learning opportunities for kids this summer. And Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep, will be joining us as well. It is June the 19th, and on this day in 1865, in what is known as Juneteenth, Union soldiers arrived in Galveston, Texas, with the news that the Civil War was over and slavery in the United States is abolished. A mix of June 9th and 19th, Juneteenth has become a day to commemorate the end of slavery in America, despite the fact that President Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation was issued more than two years earlier, on January the 1st, 1863, a lack of Union troops in the rebel state of Texas made the order difficult to enforce. Some historians blame the lapse in time on poor communication in the era, while others believe Texas slave owners purposely withheld the information until after the crops had been harvested. In any event, this is the day that the last slaves were freed. Uh, 250,000 of them actually in Texas. Now, because of Juneteenth, the president moved his rally in Oklahoma from today until tomorrow, more than two days before the president is set to take the stage in Oklahoma for his first rally since the coronavirus lockdowns. Ardent Trump supporters are already lining up to camp outside the venue. President Trump on Saturday night is scheduled to rally with supporters at BOK Center, a venue in Tulsa which can hold around 20,000 people. There are at least two dozen folks that showed up a couple of days before on Thursday morning, actually, uh, and they're very enthusiastic and excited, of course, about seeing and being with the president tomorrow. Now, there's a curfew in effect for downtown. This is a there's a Republican mayor in Tulsa. He's concerned about he's hearing, apparently, that some of the looters and rioters and so forth, the agitators are planning to come to town and he wants to protect the area. Nevertheless, uh, this is not going to be enforced unless something happens, apparently. So, in any event, the Trump rally tomorrow, 20,000 people. And I understand there actually could be another venue where there's even more people. Just reminding you, there's more than a million requests to attend (laughs) the Tulsa, Oklahoma event. Uh, 66 new cases of COVID-19 in Collier County on Thursday with a total of 2,883 uh, now who have been infected with the virus, uh, 1,476 Hispanic and 2,007 in Immokalee. So the Immokalee is the hot spot in the Naples Daily News. They're suggesting that the uh, 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 professionals out there, healthcare professionals there, are suggesting there could be a, a terrible outbreak or another outbreak in Immokalee. The death toll is 61. 282 people in Collier County have been hospitalized. Many of them released. We don't know exactly how many. Uh, so uh, in, right now, there's talk that uh, Florida is experiencing this new wave, and uh, there's many more infected. Well, I would suggest that most of them are asymptomatic. Uh, employers are asking healthy people to test as they return to work, and the positives are mild and asymptomatic, especially with younger folks. So the number to watch, of course, is the number that are being hospitalized and deaths. You just think about 282 people who have been hospitalized for a period of time, not still in the hospital, uh, in Collier County. 
that's a very small number by comparison to the total population. So, again, uh, some are trying to fan the flames about a recurrence of this, but the fact of the matter is that the the hospitalizations and deaths and by and deaths, by the way, the number sixty one. I wonder how many of those had uh, COVID-19 or was on the death certificate, but it may not have been the cause of death. I, th I would suggest a lot. Well, markets were about neutral yesterday, but futures are up this morning. That's good news. First-time claims for unemployment insurance uh, totaled $1.5 million last week, well above the $1.3 million that was expected. Workers receiving benefits under all programs, including pandemic assistance, totaled 29.1 million folks. A decrease of uh, more 375,000 needs to go down faster than that. This is the 13th straight week that claims have totaled above 1 million folks of claims unemployment. Continuing claims are those that have been receiving unemployment benefits for at least two weeks, nudged lower to 20.5 million, a decline of 62,000 from the previous week. Florida had uh, minus 25,863, and Oklahoma showed sizable drops from the previous week, according to uh, the unadjusted number. One other statistic, 30% uh, of Americans missed their housing payments in June, 30%, 31% last month, so it's not coming down a lot. you got to be concerned about landlords, what they're thinking. Uh, my concern, and I'm sure all of our concerns, is that these, in many cases, are young people who are renting and don't uh, have the wherewithal to sustain themselves through a difficult period, but uh, this could lead to a pandemic of homelessness, unfortunately. So hopefully... Uh, well, we'll just keep an eye on it. President Trump, in the wake of Thursday's defeat at the Supreme Court in his efforts to repeal Obama-era Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, and that's the DACA program, called for new justices as conservatives took aim at Chief Justice John Roberts for what they called a, quote-unquote, pattern of siding with the liberal wing in key decisions. The recent Supreme Court decisions not only on DACA, sanctuary cities, census, and others tell you only one thing. We need new justices on the Supreme Court. Court. If the radical left Democrats assume power, your Second Amendment rights, your right to life, secure borders, and religious liberty, among many other things that are over and gone, tweeted the president. He doesn't pull any punches, does he? He went on to promise that he will release a new list of conservative Supreme Court justice nominees, which may include some of who've been already been on the list by September 1st, 2020. He called uh, his Trump uh, call comes after the court ruled Thursday on a 5-4 to four decision penned by Roberts that his reversal of the former President Barack Obama's executive order that shielded immigrants who came to the country illegally as children from deport deportation was in violation of the Administrative Procedure Act, the APA, which sets out rulemaking procedures for federal agencies. While Democrats and immigration activists cheered the decision, Conservatives fumed at the ruling, accusing the justices of preventing Trump from overturning what they had long seen as an illegal executive order. As the day went on, the ire turned to Roberts, the Bush appointee who has had a history of uh, deciding outcomes favorable to liberals by siding with the liberal bloc. It was Roberts who, by siding with the liberal wing and uh, reinterpreting the individual mandate as a tax, that's the Obamacare, ruling to be found constitutional in 2012. Last year, he joined with the wing again in shutting down Trump's efforts to add a citizenship question to the census. Over recent years, more and more Chief Justice Roberts has been playing games with the court to achieve the policy outcomes he desires, Senator Ted Cruz of, uh, of Texas said uh, on the Senate floor before citing past instances where, in what he called sleight of hand, by Robert adding, this is becoming a pattern. Five justices today held that it was illegal for Trump administration to stop breaking the law. That's bizarre. It is bizarre, isn't it? In the ad administration, acting Deputy Homeland Security Ken Cuccinelli ripped the ruling. Terrible, awful, double standard, outrageous. He then took aim at Roberts. If Justice Roberts played football, he'd be an all-star punter, <laughs> he said. In the House, Representative Jim Jordan accused Roberts again of conv convoluting the law to appease the D.C. establishment 
by ruling that the President Trump cannot terminate DACA is the same manner in the same manner that President Obama used to start it. The court's decision creates two standards of executive power, one for President Obama and another for President Trump, he said. Today's decision binds the Trump administration to a politically expedient policy decision of President Obama and hampers efforts to meaningfully restore sanity to our immigration system. So I think what the president's going to have to do, he's going to have to start all over. He's going to have to, uh, hopefully, if we win the House, if he wins the House and the Senate, he can address this uh, immigration law problem because it is very convoluted and difficult in the first place. So uh, quite frankly, this maybe the, the other side of this, the bright side of this, is perhaps we'll have some legislation coming that corrects the errors of uh, immigration law. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks of Johnson's Air Conditioning, uh, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Okay, coming up, we're going to be visiting with William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Culture Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees, the goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Golf Show Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with our United States Senator, Rick Scott. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Tell us about the Cato Institute. Well, we're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're committed to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. A great organization, Cato.org, is the, is the website. So, William, we had the Supreme Court ruling come down on DACA, 
and uh, basically said the president can't overturn uh, a, uh, the uh, decision, what I consider to be an illegal decision by the uh, executive order, by the president. Uh, can you give us a little backstory on this, and what, what are your thoughts? You bet. Um, in a nutshell, it's, I'm sympathetic with the results. I mean, this is, uh, uh, in essence, it's... Uh, uh, it's, we'll, uh, it's beneficial to these so-called dreamers, these mm. young immigrants, and you know it ensures that um, they won't face deportation or removal proceedings on the one hand. So those are the results. That said, the, the method, the, the judicial methodology by which these results were attained do disturb me a bit. Um, they, they certainly suggest that, well, I'll put it this way. The Trump administration was held to a higher standard, seemingly, than other administrations, previous administrations. And in particular, it, it certainly seems um, as though, although the Supreme Court didn't necessarily rule squarely on this issue the first time through, it seems as though that which was permissible for Obama is impermissible for Trump. Um, seems to be sort of a takeaway message, and, and that gets to that, that methodology, that jurisprudence that I object to the notion that deregulatory measures are, should face higher scrutiny than regulatory measures. Um, so it's a, it's a mixed bag. On the one hand, I am sympathetic to the results. On the other hand, I don't really, the court really had to strive, really had to work to get there. So, in my opinion, I, even if, for, for example, they, they upheld DACA, I don't think that it would be deleterious or difficult for the people who are being protected by DACA right now. I'm quite sure that the president, being a good human being, they would work on some sort of a solution to get the law in place to protect them, would be my view. What are your thoughts? Well, I'll say this. The Supreme Court ruled as a matter um, of sort of this background law, this procedural law, the Administrative Procedure Act. Mm -hmm. At the same time, the Supreme Court found that the constitutional claims against the, the rescission of DACA don't hold any water. The upshot is what you say is exactly right. The Trump administration could go back to the drawing board and negotiate some sort of compromise um, with the affected parties. However, with the constitutional claims out of the way, it's also possible that the Trump administration will just go right back, uh, resubmit the same policy, and just justify it better. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, again, now that we know the constitutional claims that this won't be a violation of the Equal Protection Clause under the Constitution, um, the, the, the administration can address these statutory claims um, that it ran afoul of in the courts holding yesterday, and get what it wants. I and mean, that was a long-winded way of saying, with the constitutional claims out of the way, it could proceed towards a new policy, as you suggested in the question, or, quite frankly, it could redo exactly what it did, justify it better, which would require minimal resources, and get what it wants. Okay, so let's let's move on then to another decision. It's this LGBTQ+, whatever that means, uh, apparently uh, protecting this group of people uh, in the workplace. Uh, the Supreme Court made another ruling, which is uh, has a lot of conservatives very upset. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I can understand why. I mean, again, this is another one where perhaps I'm, I'm more sympathetic to the results, but... Um, but actually, I don't question the jurisprudence, and the reason the conservatives are upset is because the ruling on Monday uh, gives transgender people recourse to the um, Americans with Disability Act, uh, to, or I'm sorry, the Civil Rights Act, mm -hmm. um, to press sexual harassment claims or, or such claims in, in the workplace. So that has angered conservatives. Um, regardless of those results, I'll say this. All the parties, or I'm sorry, all the justices on the court, regardless of what their various opinions were, went about getting their opinions through textualism, um, which your listeners might not be familiar with, but this is this uh, uh, but the conservative methodology uh, of jurisprudence that was advanced by Scalia that, that quite simply calls on judges to look at the text of the law. Now, again, setting aside the results, which may irk conservatives, they should take solace in the fact that the court uniformly is applying the correct standard of judicial methodology. I mean, it is looking to the text of the law 
as it wrestles with these problems. Mm-hmm. So that is, uh, you know, on the one hand, I do understand how the result can miss conservatives. On the other hand, they can take a, a, a quantum of solace in the fact that the court, or how the court went about getting this result. So interesting. Well, you know, the, the question that I have, though, is uh, even though they have uh, the sexual orientation may be different than male versus female, whatever it might be, what's, I mean, they're still protected under the law, under the old law, weren't they? Well, no, I mean, I think that was very much the question, was whether or not transgender, um, and I shouldn't speak too authoritatively here, and I'll note that the, the uh, Civil Rights Act isn't necessarily my bailiwick, but as I understand it, it was whether or not um, this definition of sex incorporated, mm-hmm. um, or sexual orientation incorporated transgender people. And, you know, without getting into uh, that question at all, um, I do think it was an outstanding matter, you know, yeah. as to whether or not the transgender people could have recourse to this cause of action and, and, and vindicate their federal rights, federal rights in the workplace. Interesting. Well, I appreciate that, you know, I, we talked a little bit about pattern earlier in the show. It's, I'm beginning to I'm beginning to do, uh, conclude that the justices of the Supreme Court just don't like President Trump very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say perhaps, yes. Um, historically, I'll note this super briefly, there may be a silver lining here. And it's, it's the same thing happened with Nixon in the early 70s. Um, because of what Nixon did to the prevailing political climate then, it created a space for the Supreme Court to set forth a framework of reviewing administrative action that was more rigorous. Yeah. Um, and, and that had a salutary effect of checking the administrative state. So I, I do think that um, were this doctrine that is being set in the, in the time of Trump to last, and, you know, there's, there's no guarantee, but were it to last as it did in the time of, of Nixon, then it would have the salutary effect of, of precluding future presidents from overstepping their powers. All right. Well, uh, we have it there. Well, William Yateman, again, research fellow at the Cato Institute. I genuinely appreciate uh, your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with our United States Senator, Rick Scott. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And the season is coming up. You can get tickets right now at a nice discount by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. Sean McAlmet, the president of Career Learning Solutions. Right now we have with us our former governor and our United States Senator Rick Scott. Senator Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Well, how's it going, Dan? Congratulations on your show. Thank you so much, uh, Senator Scott. Uh, I, I called attention to an op-ed that you wrote uh, for the Washington Examiner called Fund the Police. Now, this is such a big issue. Maybe you can tell us about it. Well, you know, in my time as governor, I focused on three things. I wanted to make sure everybody could get a job, their kids could all get a good education, and people could live in a safe community. So by the time I left, we were at a 47 or 48-year low in our crime rate. That's what people want. They want to be safe. Mm-hmm. Well, if you defund the police, defund, get rid of the police, I mean, what's going to happen? I mean, what, what do you do when you call 911? So I think, I think what's important is, is we say, what can we improve? It's horrible. It's horrible what happened to George Floyd. Mm-hmm. Uh, in any time that there's brutality, it's horrible. Um, my experience with sheriffs, police departments, um, they want to do the right thing. They're disgusted about things like George Floyd, just like all of us are. Mm-hmm. And so the answer is not to uh, do what the radical left wants to do and get rid of the police. What we should do is say, well, can we do better? And let's keep improving. Let's find best practices. But I believe in funding the police not in defunding the police. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, it just occurs to me the morale of these people have to be so low, this profession, because of uh, they're being attacked on all sides, not even supported by, in some cases, by elected officials. I'm going to make it a point. If I see an officer, I'm going to make sure that I thank him for his service. Yeah, thank him for the service. By the way, it's not an easy job. In my eight years as governor, 51 members of law enforcement died in the line of duty. Mm. So they're what they do every day. They go into scary situations to try to keep us safe. And, uh, you know, if there's a bad apple, let's deal with that bad apple. I'll tell you what, my experience with law enforcement is they care about you. Yeah, absolutely. I would like to move to another uh, topic, which is the federal deficit. And our president right now is saying he wants some sort of a uh, infrastructure improvement act, along with something to help our economy. Uh, big numbers are being used; another one point five trillion, two trillion dollars, whatever it might be. Uh, you know, we used to be really concerned about the federal deficit. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, first off, you're the first person to talk to me about it on, I think, radio and TV in quite a while. No one. Right now, there's no focus on it. The, you know, we, we now have $25 plus trillion dollars for the debt. Um, the, we've got to understand that either we're going to pay this back through higher taxes or our children or grandchildren are going to pay for this. There's no free lunch here. And before the pandemic, we were already going to run a trillion-dollar deficit. Now, put that in perspective. People don't think about the numbers. In the best economy ever, we were going to collect this year around $3.6 trillion in federal revenues and spend $4.6, $4.7 trillion. Hmm. The best economy ever. Mm-hmm. Now, we've already, on top of that, committed $2.9 trillion under the CARES Act, and then we're talking about doing more. Look, I am all in to help people that have lost their job. I am all in to help uh, those that, uh, the small businesses that need help. But this idea that we can just keep spending trillion dollars and trillion dollars and trillion dollars with no impact, with, I mean, we, we it's either ta- taxes have to go up, something's got to give. We can't just keep running big deficits every uh, year after year. This year's deficit will be close to $4 trillion. Tr- $4 trillion. $4 trillion. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Now, uh, one of the things the president's talking about is uh, relief on the payroll tax. Is that something you could support? Well, we have an unemployment system. Um, the, but what I, and we ought to use that if you, because companies have paid into it. Uh, but what I don't believe in is paying people more money not to work yeah. than to work. Uh, there's a study over 60% of people now in America are getting paid more not to work than to work. So yeah. think about when you're reopening your small business and the employee says to you, look, I, you know, look, I can't come back if I'm making more money doing this. How are we going to get our economy going again? Yeah. Uh, so we've we've got to have a good unemployment system for those that are getting hurt, but you can't pay people more than what they're making in their jobs. 
Thank you, Senator. Could we move on to uh, China right now? Because you've been very vocal on wanting to hold China accountable for its many sins, among them uh, internet, uh, property theft, uh, and, uh, as, uh, as well as what's happened with the pandemic. What are your thoughts? Well, let's, let's first off all remember, right? When you buy a product from China, buying it from communist China, mm-hmm. Communist China is run by the Communist Party of China. She is not a duly elected president. He's the Secretary General of the Communist Party. So when you buy a product from China, here's what you're saying. It's okay that they steal our jobs. It's okay that they take our technology and steal it from us. It's okay that they have a million people in prison for their religion. It's okay that they take away the basic rights of the Hong Kong citizens that were granted to them when Hong Kong was to, uh, given back uh, to communist China. It's okay that they lied to us about that pandemic. It's okay that they're threatening military force against Taiwan. So mm. think about what we do. So what we have to say to ourselves is if, if China does not believe in any of the freedoms we have, they, they believe they've built a, they have a military bigger than ours now, they're out to dominate the world, and so if we don't stand, if we don't, you know, wake up and say, let's buy American products, or at least buy products from c- countries that support democracy. What are we doing by buying products from communist China that are out there trying to take away the rights from people just like us? Mm-hmm. They don't want to, and, and, and I mean, there's nothing they, they do for the world to help the world. All they do, they're just takers. I agree with that, and uh, you know what you what you're suggesting is no trade with uh, China, and uh, perhaps that should be the policy. But I'm wondering, is there any other form of retribution based on everything you've outlined? I would suggest that we're already at war with China, not with guns and and uh, that type of thing, but we're in a financial war and uh, maybe even cyber warfare right now. Well, first off, they've done it. They've decided to have a cold war with the United States. Mm-hmm. She, the General Secretary of the Communist Party, that's his choice. It's not what America wants to do. We we would love for China to become a worldwide citizen that you know wants everybody to succeed. They just don't believe that way. So step one, buy American products. Number two, uh, I have a bill that says that companies like Amazon are going to have to disclose where products are made because I think Americans will buy American products first, mm-hmm. not Chinese products. They buy Chinese products last. I've got a bill that says that if you're a Chinese student, you want to come over here and do COVID research, we're going to vet you to make sure you're not going to sabotage uh, the development of vaccines. Our intelligence agencies are, are saying that China is trying to sabotage or delay our vaccine. Mm-hmm. We know if they get the vaccine first, they're not going to share it with anybody. If we get the vaccine, we're going to share it with the world. Uh, so on top of that, our protective gear, uh, when we have the next pandemic, it ought to be made in America. And so those are the things I've been, I've been working on. But if you want to be, if you want to have an impact right now and help American jobs and tell China that it's not right what they're doing, or buy another product from them and buy American products. Uh, they also need to compensate us most, uh, financially for all what they've done to our citizens. They've killed our economy, and so many, over 100,000 Americans have died because of China. Yeah. Again, Senator, U.S. Senator Rick Scott and uh, former governor doing a great job. Just genuinely appreciate you taking time, Senator Scott, to come on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great day, Bob. You as well. Thank you so much. I had a chance to have him on the show so many times. Actually, uh, uh, before he became governor, developed a friendship with Senator Scott and uh, just genuinely appreciative of him taking the time to uh, visit with us. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. Sean McAlmond. He is the president of Career Learning Solutions. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. 
Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in by, well, St. Matthew's House. Let's see if this is my next guest here. Um, Dr. McDowell? Yes, this is me. How are you? Oh, great. So I was trying to reach you before. I'm so sorry I missed you. But thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Uh, I want to just mention that you're the president of Career Learning Solutions, Dr. McAlmond. Uh Could you tell us about Career Learning Solutions and what it's all about? Yeah, we're, we're actually um, at K-12, Inc. Um, it's a publicly traded company that provides services to high schools. And we've got about 120,000 students on our platform and that number is going to grow because of coronavirus. Um, as you can imagine, we're a virtual online school system provider. And which is uh, definitely needed in this day and age. Uh, so you're right now promoting free online career eSports and coding uh, summer camps uh, available to uh, citizens and families here in Florida. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah. You know, we have um, always thought about delivering virtual summer camps. And I think the coronavirus situation really just propelled that forward. If you can imagine, students have been out of school for about two months, um, summer vacations here, and the fall is uncertain. And so students could be out of school for six months, and that's learning um, that's uh, displaced. Uh, there's socialization disruption, et cetera. So we thought the, the virtual summer camps would be a great way for students to get back into learning, learning some things that are fun, and, and getting engaged again with teachers and other students. That's so terrific. I mean, I was, talk, I was talking with uh, the uh, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance who's promoting this whole idea. If, if parents uh, look into this, what can they expect if they get their kids involved? Well, the, they'll, they'll actually be engaged for... Um, it, it, we have coding camps, so they're going to be learning coding... Um, uh, in relation to esports games and virtual reality and, and using some HTML and JavaScript, et cetera. And, and those will be 10 days of really intensive, um, you know, coding, playing some games. There's an esports tournament at the end of that. And so it's fun, but it's also engaging. Not to mention, I think parents should be aware that their, their, their sons and daughters are going to be learning some skills that really relate to uh, careers of the future. So they'll be getting a good look early. That's so interesting. When you talk about coding, I wasn't sure exactly what that was. But you're talking about computer code then. Oh, yeah. Well, we're talking about programming, coding, software development. And um, in my estimation, there's no better skill that young people should be learning today than that. Hmm. That is so interesting. So at what ages uh, are, would, this for the, would this be appropriate for? Well, they're, they're, they're open for high school-age students um, this year. I think when this comes around uh, next year, Bob, we'll probably expand the grades um, to middle school. I think that the amount of interest that we've gotten um, says that we need to expand it anyway. And by the way, I think middle school students are more than capable of learning some of the skills related to, to uh, these careers. Hmm. And, and, and in, the, in addition to the coding, you know, we're also doing some introductory uh, uh, courses that um, expose students to uh, careers in IT, uh, business, um, and finance, like where from you, you came from. 
and and also healthcare. And and if they can get a, an eye into those careers early, it at least gives them some options and some awareness they might not have had before. Wow, what just great opportunities for young people. Uh, is there a website and where parents could check this out? Yeah, they can go to destinationsacademy.com. And when you get to destinationsacademy.com, you can click on schools and programs, and you'll see free summer camps uh, listed right there. Wow, what a great opportunity for young people. So I'm imagining with what's happened right now that there's a growing interest in homeschooling. Are you? Is your organization involved in that? Yeah, you know, um, whether you're a homeschooler or a charter school or a school district that just wanted to have a virtual or online component to your offering, um, our platform can host all of those options. And so, you know, we, we help school districts, we help charter schools, um, and, and parents who have always been interested in homeschooling, we give them a platform of courses, teachers, and other supplemental services that help a student learn. Um, in those circumstances, the student can learn from their own home. The parent is a, a learning coach, and there's a teacher on the other side, not to mention on the career readiness side, which I'm responsible for, um, we introduce them to careers, um, we give them workplace learning, so it's a more blended program, et cetera. But we're seeing great um, results yeah. and a lot of growth. Uh, it's just such a terrific opportunity for young people. You know, right now they've been cooped up, not going to school, and I'm sure that uh, getting somewhat restless, what a great opportunity to, to channel energies into something that would be so productive as that. Uh, Dr. McCallum, could you, could you give us that website again? Yes, it's destinationsacademy.com. One word, destinationsacademy.com. Dr. McAllen, I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show and sharing this with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob, thanks so much. My pleasure, indeed. I uh, wanted to just mention that uh, before uh, Dr. McAllen called, I tried to reach him and uh, got a busy signal. So in any event, I'm happy that I was able to have him on the show. It sounds like a great opportunity for young people. I, I did start off by saying that St. Matthew's House is doing great things for the community. I especially su support St. Matthew's House right now because of What's happened with the pandemic? Many people out of work on the thin edge of uh, having their finances stay together. More and more people homeless. More and more people turning to drugs and alcohol and uh, needing treatment. Uh, more and more people needing meals. And St. Matthew's House addresses all those issues. And, number one, uh, does it through a system of accountability. So you just don't go there and stay or just go there and eat day in, day out. You're, you're actually ha on a program to help improve yourself and get yourself back on track. So stmatthewshouse.org is the website, stmatthewshouse.org. Also want to do a little shout-out for Lula B's Diner. They've been an advertiser of ours now going on nine years. Just a very appreciative of their support. They are back open. They're serving breakfast and lunch right now. It's right there in the Green Tree Shopping Center, and they have a 3-2-1 special. That's uh, three pieces of bacon, two eggs, and uh, a piece of toast for $3.21 at Lulubee's Diner. So I uh, just encourage you to, uh, to patronize Lulubee's. Uh, they do a great job and so proud to be affiliated with them. And they are big supporters of uh, St. Matthew's House. So stmatthewshouse.org, again, is the website. All right, so 28 congressional Democrats signed a letter demanding the Department of Education allow biological males in school sports. I'm not kidding. This really happened. Democrat Connecticut Senator Richard Blumenthal joined 27 House Democrats in signing the letter, which charges the department's order discriminates against transgen transgender youth by restricting girls' sports to biological females. I, I can't even believe this. The decision of the Department of Education to issue a determination targeting transgender student athletes on the eve of Pride Month of all things, it's not coincidental. It is a transparent example of their campaign against the rights and dignity of LGBTQ plus children. That, according to Connecticut Representative Johanna Hayes, the letter uh, lead signer said in a press release, the Department of Education on May 15th issued a ruling stating that public schools that allow biological males and school girls athletes are violating Title IX which protects uh, women's access to education and athletics. Uh, 
The Department of Justice previously backed the lawsuits filed by the high school girls in Connecticut who said they, the liberal state's transgender policies violated their rights. Well, my goodness. I'm not kidding. This really happened. They sent this letter. There's 28 of them who said uh, they should have men competing against women in women's sports. A final note before we go to our next guest. Amy Klobuchar is bowing out of the Veep stakes, out of the vice to be vice president of the United States, and she says it's time to put a woman of color on the ticket. So more identity politics again. Uh, no celebration of the fact that we are all one individuals. We are all free, irrespective of color. Uh, but again, the Democrats rely so much on uh, identity politics. It, isn't it a time to make these decisions based on merit and not skin color? I don't think so, not, not in the Democrat Party. As part of the race relations revolution, the nation is coming to terms with some household staples that may appear offensive to people of color. How about uh, Mrs. Butterworth is known for the matronly woman-shaped bottle? Uh, complete brand and packaging review is up. Are you, you going to see Uncle Ben's rice being changed? Uh, these companies right now are bowing to uh, the pressure of Black Lives Matter and what's happening on the left. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. He wrote the book because of the trails of dealing with union bosses from SEIU over the course of two and a half years. That's a great read. I encourage you to read it because it not only tells you about the dirty tricks that these union bosses will play to try and get unionization, it also pretty much describes what I consider to be the left or the progressive approach towards politics. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulubee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a terrific organization. Visit thefga.org, thefga.org. We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Dave Bego. Uh, he's the founder and president and CEO of Executive Management Services, doing business in over 40 states uh, with uh, over 6,000 employees. He's also the author of a book I'm guessing he probably wish he didn't have to write. 
It was called uh, The Devil at Our Doorstep. It's a great read. It's about the travails of dealing with union bosses, playing dirty tricks on him, his customers, his employees, just trying to get him to sign a neutrality agreement, which would allow them to go sign up his employees, intimidate them, get them to sign for uh, to be a union member. If he got 50% plus one, voila, they're unionized. Dave says, no, if you're going to unionize my shop, you're going to have to do it through secret ballot. They wouldn't. And uh, so the games proceeded for the next two and a half years and really showed their true colors. The devil at our doorstep dot com is the website. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks, Bob. Uh, glad to be on. Well, uh, you know, I don't know where to start right now because so much is happening in our country right now. But uh, what are your thoughts about, uh, I mean, tearing down statues, uh, this Black Lives Matter? Uh, you could go on. It's just almost a cultural revolution. Well, it is, Bob, but um, this is all, uh, as I've mentioned before on your show, is all being done behind the scenes by the left, which, you know, encompasses people like Soros and some of the unions and, uh, uh, you know, uh, people like that that want to bring down this country and uh, turn it into a socialist, communist country so they have power and control, because that's what it's all about. Yep. And um, the, um, the unions are... Um, really part of the problem with the uh, things that are going on and hmm. just you know just a basic thing that people should know um is that you know even the teachers unions you know um especially up in um you know big cities like new york and that um they block um uh, the startup of charter schools and charter schools continuing that which um in new york um there's been um Surveys have been done that the uh, in charter schools in in black areas and and the one I'm talking about I'm trying to think of the name of it but uh, these uh, these black kids have actually stepped up and done very well in school because um, charter schools teach them the right way and do the right things with them and work with them and they move forward but the unions don't like it because the teachers in the charter schools aren't unionized so they're not getting the um, dues money they want for their pocketbook and their political agenda. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's the biggest form of discrimination against black people that you can imagine is not having school choice for these people. I mean, if they, where the quality of education depends very much on the zip code you live in uh, if you're sending your child to public school. So these charter schools, and I know exactly the one you're speaking of, I can't think of the name of it either, but they have strict, strict discipline, the Teachers are really engaged. Students have a dress code, uh, and uh, they they work very hard, and they do very well. Many of them going on to college and doing things that their neighbors who don't go to this charter school can't and probably will never achieve. Well, that's exactly right. I believe the name of it's the Success Academy. Yes, in uh, New York. And, yes, uh, you know, and we have these things across the country. But again, the unions get involved because they want to control people and they want the union dues and. Uh, you know, they're actually, and, and, and I think the black community needs to wake up and understand they're actually uh, making things tougher on the black community than anything else. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then when you look at the police unions, um, mm -hmm. you know, they're not allowing um, the, um, uh, the bosses or the administrators and, uh, uh, you know, supervisors and all that in, in uh, police departments across the country um, to discipline um, the um, uh, policemen that aren't doing the right thing and have done bad things all right. And, and the reason is, Bob, is because the unions, when they've done these collective bargaining agreements with the, uh, you know, the cities and wherever it is, uh, they, they put stuff in that protects too many bad cops from discipline. Uh, yes. And that's what's going on. This isn't a thing about, um, you know, racism or anything. This no. is a thing about unions and the left doing things to control things and to stir this country up. I couldn't agree more. I'm thankful that you actually brought up these two examples because they're outstanding examples of how unions... I mean, there are good unions, and there are actually good people who are running unions, uh, trade unions especially, but uh, uh, there are some unions also that are inhibiting the uh, the growth and the forward movement of our of our uh, of our citizens, among them uh, public school unions, and also, well, should there be any public uh, sector union? I don't think so. I mean, I think it just doesn't make any sense at all. 
Well, I, I do too. And, and, and the problem is, and the reason we have them so much is because of the political part of it. You know, the unions use um, about half the dues money they collect. It goes to politics, and uh, they use it to get people, people elected uh, so that they can control uh, what's going on in the public sector. And, uh, you know, uh, it's it's time that this stuff is, is stopped, and uh, we also need term limits. I've mentioned that before, mm-hmm. to get uh, people out of office uh, so they don't just keep going back into office. So they're getting paid, uh, you know, a good salary, plus uh, they're probably getting benefits behind the scenes from the unions and that, too. And... Um, uh, our country needs to wake up to this stuff. Well, and not only that, but uh, quite fr- I, don't, I don't like to be a conspiracy theorist, but quite frankly, when you see all the things that are going on right now, it looks so orchestrated. Somebody is funding this. I suspect uh, somebody like George Soros, for example, and his organizations is funding, uh, getting agitators, paid agitators, quite frankly, to get people all stirred up with with ideas, and then uh, pay them and to actually go out and... Uh, create chaos in the community. I think that's what's going on right now. Oh, you're exactly right. In fact, I, um, and I thought I had talked to you about it, but I, um, I have a friend uh, in Oregon um, that um, he got um, a flyer that was dropped by one of these uh, people in these riots and that uh, uh, said, you know, you know, we'll pay you so much money to do this for us, and uh, these are the things we want you to do. And down below was says funded by George, George Soros. Yeah, so it's and, and the and the, and some of the unions, the radical unions, are doing it too. And uh, because you know, again, behind the scene, uh, they're all hand in hand on this. I mean, if you, if you go back and read my blogs, and people read my blogs that I wrote for about five years after my second book came out, "The Devil at Our Doorstep," I I talked about uh, things that were going on behind the scenes and how. Uh, people like Soros and the SIU uh, were in this together. In fact, for a long time, they shared offices across the country because uh, Soros had a group, I think it was called ACORN, and uh, they shared offices with the SIU across the country. So they were hand-in-hand doing this stuff, and it's still going on behind the scenes. So you take a look at what's happening. I, I had an individual, Michael uh, O'Keefe, on my show. He's a district attorney in uh in massachusetts and he he said look we we've actually had funded campaigns people running for office for district attorney funded by george soros types of organizations they declare they will as an elected official they're not going to uphold the law and then you see around the country you see what's happening with regard to people getting out of jail no bail all this type of thing and uh, you know, theft of under $500 or $300 is not going to be prosecuted. So uh, then you have uh, these types of riots that are stirred up. It's just undermining the rule of law in the United States of America. And something needs to be done about it. Yes, it does. And the American people need to stand up and have a backbone and, um, you know, express what's going on. And, uh, you know, it's like tearing down all these statues and everything. Mm-hmm. That's That's not a good thing because... You know, that was history that actually uh, stopped slavery in this country and uh, and put us on the right track in that. And we need those things as reminders that we, did, we as a country did do the right things and stuff like that. Isn't there to keep going after black lives, you know? And uh, you, But behind the scenes, and this is the same thing I went through with the SEIU, as they go out and they're hypocritical. They, they say things they want to say just to get these people brainwashed on their side. They don't tell the truth. Yeah, absolutely. The name of the book is The Devil at Our Doorstep. I highly recommend that you read it because it, it's a primer on what's happening in uh, the progressive movement in the United States, the effort to overthrow our country, quite frankly. And uh, Dave just does a great job of the, listing the litany of events that have occurred that he actually overcame this. They went away like rats on a sinking ship uh, and never unionized his shop. But uh, nevertheless, Dave, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on. And uh Let's keep getting America to wake up. Absolutely. Thank you, Dave. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, I'm all amped up now talking about this stuff. 
and grateful that I have the opportunity to uh, share it with you. If you have any comments about the show, and I appreciate the emails I've received, send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. If you'd like to get on the distribution list for the uh, email I send after each show, again, just send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. On uh, Monday, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, about current global events. We'll visit with Larry Reed, the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, and Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau chief and author of a couple of books. His latest is Shake the Money Tree. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>